Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Eric Bowling, filling in for Greg while he's on vacation. Yesterday, I received a lot of calls of where you think Greg is. Remember, I gave you that toll-free number. Make sure you stick around to the end of the show to hear the best guesses and find out where in the world Greg is. Okay, it's truly been a wacky week in the news business. Is it just me, or does America seem to be changing faster than Kamala Harris's office staff? No better way to highlight what I mean than by reading some headlines from just this week. Mind you, these are real headlines. No fake news here, folks. And as wacky as these sound, they're actual headlines. Now, as I read them, try to imagine reading these stories five years ago. Don't shoot the messenger. Just reading actual headlines. First up, professors say proper grammar is racist and perpetuates whiteness. Now, that professor, by the way, who said this is an English professor at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, also said that, quote, she's working hard to undo whiteness in her students' writing. What? So what in the heck did I work so hard in my high school English class for? It wasn't my idea to read Shakespeare. I hated it. By the way, is Shakespeare racist? Because I'm asking for every high schooler out there right now. I'm pretty sure they'd rather not have to try and read that stuff anymore. Or what about this one? Democrats want to tear down highways to solve historic racism. Now, wait, wait a minute. What? Highways are racist now, too? Why does the left claim everything is racist? Next thing they're going to say is that Crashes on those highways are racist, too. Ah, that would be silly, right? That'd be going too far if they blame car crashes on racism, right? Right? Wrong. Check this one out. Traffic, accidents, fatalities, now examples of structural racism because of race-based decisions. So now they're suggesting people are purposely crashing their cars because of racism. Scratching my head, folks. For the next section of this actual headline segment and before the liberal hate squad attacks me, for the record, I'm libertarian. I don't give two squats who you wake up next to or what you smoke. I just prefer government and the media stay the heck out of our lives. So the less of them, the better. Capiche? Next real headline, please. Football is gay. The NFL declares football is gay. Football is lesbian. Football is queer. That's the headline. Yep, this week the NFL unveiled a new campaign directed at bringing in a bigger share of the LGBTQ audience. Breaking news, football is gay. Take a look at the new campaign. What, do they spend like 50 bucks on that ad? No offense, but I think a group of middle schoolers could have come up with a better ad than that one. How about this one? Celebration of womanhood, transgender competitor wins Miss Nevada, USA. Miss Nevada, a.k.a. Cataluna Enriquez, wins Miss Nevada. She was born a biological man. Okay, but I have to ask the obvious question here. The swimsuit competition, how does that work? Never mind. I don't want to know. Or what about this one? Kermit. Disney Plus hosts Pride event featuring Kermit the Frog. Now, let me get this straight. Kermit is gay. Okay, no problem with a gay frog. But I always thought Bert and Ernie were the ones 
that were gay. Again, not judging, just observing. But I want to play a tiny piece of the show for you. Take a look. After seeing all those performers being so proud of being themselves, I decided that just being myself, being green, is what I want to be. Mm, okay, whatever you say, Kermit. All right, what's next? Every soldier is different, stronger. Army to provide gender transition surgeries now. Okay, here's where I draw the line. I got to weigh in on this one. Why are we taxpayers paying for transgender surgeries? I literally have no problem with people living life as who they want to be. Boy, girl, both, neither, don't care. But for goodness sakes, why do we all have to pick up the tab for that one? This next one is great. CNN host Jake Tapper lost 75% of his audience since Trump left office. I mean, the numbers just don't lie. Look at them for yourself. There they are, right there, 75%. 2.8 million viewers in January, and now down to barely 700,000. Hey, Jake, miss Trump yet? Next one, Biden. Iran will never get a nuclear weapon on my watch. That's, that's rich. Not even commenting. Good luck with that one. Or irony defined. Only days after Oakland slashed its police budget, armed robbers ran up on the city's woke violence prevention chief while he was discussing rising crime with local news reporters. Again, you can't make this stuff up. The whole thing was caught on camera, by the way. One of our own NBC Bay Area crews was speaking with the chief of violence prevention outside Oakland City Hall this afternoon when someone tried to rob them at gunpoint. Because I think Oakland deserves better. That's the moment it happens. You see the camera knocked over during a confrontation. Oh boy, irony defined. And finally, my personal favorite of the week, too real to be fake headline this week was this one. In response to the new UFO report, check it out. NASA administrator, are we alone? Personally, I don't think we are. Now think about that for one second, folks. The top astronaut at NASA thinks we are not alone out there in the universe, and he should know. People are yearning to find out what's out there in the cosmos. Are we alone? Personally, I don't think we are. The universe is so big. Mm. See, I knew it, and that's my absolute favorite story of the week. Agent Mulder was right way back when. It's not paranoia if they're really out there to get you. Joining us now, North Korean human rights activist and author of In Order to Live, A North Korean Girl's Journey to Freedom, Yeonmi Park. Yomi, thank you so much for joining us. You came to the United States in 2016. You defected, and you wanted to go to college at Columbia University. Please tell us a little bit about your time, your journey here, what it took, and then we're going to get into some of the other aspects of, of the news this week. But just tell us about your journey, please. Yeah, uh, I was born in North Korea, when, and I had to escape when I was 13 years old because simply I was starving. That was the only reason why I risked my life to cross the frozen river into China. But when I arrived in China, Chinese Communist Party did not recognize us as defectors, and they catch us and send back us to North Korea to be killed. Eventually, after two years of slavery, I had to cross the frozen Gobi Desert into Mongolia by walking. And then I went to South Korea. And 
I think six years ago, I came to America dreaming of this country where people actually, you know, can have a freedom of speech. And with that excitement, I came here. Yeah. And, so, and, and this is the reason why we, we want to have you on here. We, we'll talk about your book in a second. But with all the news going on, we'll talk about Gwen Berry, the, the, the athlete that wants, that's aspiring to go to Tokyo and represent the United States, who is, is disrespected, as she says, when the national anthem comes on. Tell us your thought about how Gwen Berry should be treated. How, how would Gwen, Gwen Berry be treated in North Korea? Well, I mean, if she did the exact same thing right now in North Korea, not only herself going to be executed, including her and the eight generations of her family going to be sent to political prison camp. It's called the guilt by association. Mm. So, it, I mean, it is her freedom of speech. I respect that. But then also it's a quite shameful that she doesn't understand history, that she does not appreciate this country, how tolerant this country is and how much freedom this country is given to individuals. And that country she refused to represent. It's truly unthinkable and heartbreaking. You know, when you hear these, we'll, we'll get back to the athletes in a second because there's some other examples mm -hmm. I want to talk to. But when you hear people talk about oppression, oppression in mm -hmm. America, tell us the difference between American oppression and, and a dictatorship oppression like North Korea. I know. I couldn't believe like, when I was studying at Columbia, literally every single day, these kids talking about how they are systemically oppressed by especially white men. And I was thinking, like, people living in North Korea right now who are living in the darkest place on the earth, they do not even know that they are oppressed. That's a true definition of oppression. If you know you're oppressed, that, that means you're not really oppressed. So it's quite sad that these people living in this bubble and do not really understand the human history and how actual oppression works. So, yeah, it's, it's so sad. There's a there's a, uh, a BMX alternate who's trying to become an Olympian as well, uh, transgender alternate. But in March, she wrote a Facebook post that said, if I, I want to make the Olympics, I want to make a the medal stand in the Olympics, because if I do, I would burn the American flag on the podium. What do you say to her? Oh, wow. Well, I'm still adjusting this freedom. I mean, if you say utter such a word in coming from where I'm from, that means like that right instantly you get executed. That's, I mean, I think there's new trend that I've been seeing in America is that somehow these young people, especially the millennials in, in academia, they really try to attack every single thing that is great about this country. They, do, they want to tear down every single thing. And I cannot just believe it. Why would you do that? This is the greatest country in human history. It's not the perfect country, but it is the best country. There are so many people right you know, now, you, especially people in North Korea, like dying to come to America. You know, I mean, you went to Columbia University. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, probably one of the mo more liberal places on the planet, academic, academic places on the planet. Maybe the most liberal place. Berkeley, Cal would be one of them. Harvard and Columbia. How did you make it through there? What were you... What was the feeling? What was the sense? I mean, academia is now becoming so liberal. And these are the things that you express, this patriotism, this de desire to be here, loving the country, don't seem to be part of the basis, the foundation of liberalism in America. 
Yeah, I mean, really, for me to get into that four years of being in school is that eventually I just have to shut up and just, you know, echo whatever they were saying. For them, the safe place is where everybody agrees, right? For me, the place that I dreamed of safe was where people have diversity of thoughts. You don't get penalized for what you are saying. You're thinking different ideas. But at Columbia, if you think differently, you're outcasted. You get cancelled. And this is how eventually the authoritarian, the dictatorship rises. And I saw the signs at Columbia that this is a direction they are going towards. That's how North Korean dictatorship was to, 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 to this day. You know, Yeonmi, before we go, we have about a minute or so. Um, the, mm -hmm. the, the, you came from North Korea. You came from a dictatorship. Tell us the difference in lifestyle. For all those people who are out there who are listening to the liberal left, tell us how bad things are, how oppressive they are, how, how awful things are for, for young people here. Tell us the difference between growing up a young person in North Korea and what you see young people experiencing here. I mean, in North Korea right now, in this 21st century, people do not have electricity. And they do not even know the existence of Internet. The most, the one thing that my mom told me as a young girl was not to even whisper because the birds and mice could hear me. And that is a difference. In this country, even if you want to burn down the flag, you have that freedom to complain about it, talk about it. And that is how we know the measuring this country's tolerance and how free we are as individuals. Well, you know, I, I got to tell everyone out there, if you think you're if you think you're pressing, you think, think you don't have freedom in America, pick up Yomi's Park's book. It's called In Order uh, North Korean Human Rights Activist. The book is called In Order to Live a North Korean Girl's Journey to Freedom. Yomi Park, thank you very much. I hope I hope young people here are listening to you. Thank you. We're nearing seven months into the Biden administration taking over our White House and America is stuck with two major crises. We're going to talk about all this next. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary and, believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. So, folks, it's been close to seven months under the Biden administration. And what good has he done for the country so far? Well, let's take a look at this. Not much, really, except give us a border crisis and a crime crisis. But when reporters approach Biden with serious questions on his policies, this is the response he offers. I want to talk about happy things, man. Well, if the president doesn't want to talk about the crises he's made, we will. Let's bring in South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman to weigh in on this. Who actually tagged along with President Trump on his border trip this week? Congressman Norman, thank you for joining us. Let's start end the border. I've called it earlier in the week. I called it Biden's border crisis. I mean, got to be Biden's border crisis, right? What did you see? Well, it is his border crisis. Uh, you know, what we have, you know, what we saw is an invasion of America. There's one man that can stop it, and that man is Joe Biden, and his administration fails to do so. And, we, you know, we've got uh, these people coming from Guatemala, Haiti, uh, countries that we know nothing about what they're bringing into our country. We know the cartels are prospering at a half a billion dollars a month. 
And uh, it's very simple to continue the, the policies of Donald Trump, but the dislike of President Trump is so great, uh, he's willing to put the country at risk. And it is a tremendous risk uh, that he's putting his country under uh, because we can't sustain it. Uh, we'll probably end up with a million and a half to two million people. They're just coming across the border uh, scot-free. You know, I, I, I did the math earlier in the week. The, you know, apples to apples comparison last year, 2020, if you take the last three months available of numbers of border apprehensions last year, 2020, 74,000 illegals were apprehended between March and May of 2020 under Trump. Same exact same period this year under Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 530,000 illegals between March and May of this year under the Biden administration. That's a 700 percent increase. How else do you how, how who else do you point the finger? It's got to come be, because they've changed some of the most important things that Trump was doing. When they pulled them. They pulled stay in Mexico. They pulled bo the, the wall. And most importantly, in my opinion, you tell me if I'm wrong, sir, you were there this week. They pulled the catch and release policy that Trump had put a stop to. They put it back in. It, it put it back in. And the policy that was so effective of having them remain in Mexico uh, and you know, the, the countries that willingly were taking them back when he put a final involved with it. No, it's uh, the only reason they could be doing this. The only rational reason is trying to remain in power, trying to have votes trying to put, uh, let everyone have a path to citizenship. And if you could have seen the people in line at McCallum Airport, which is not a big airport, uh, out of probably 90 seats, uh, 80 of them were illegals that had their uh, manila folder. They had a, uh, and they had a lot of, it was a lot of children. Uh, many of them were coughing. One congresswoman had the person in front of her throwing up. It's a medical crisis because we don't know what they have, particularly with the new strains of mm -hmm. COVID mm -hmm. that have been advertised. So, um, so Congressman, I, 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 I assume you're flying from from accountant from Texas back to D.C., right? And, and so there you're saying eight, eight out of nine, 90 percent of the people on that flight were illegals. And, and what happens when they get to D.C.? Well, they, we, we flew into Dallas, Fort Worth. We went to McCallum to Dallas, Fort Worth. And the understanding we have from talking to the Border Patrol agents is they're putting them in cities all across the country. I know several uh, wow. attorney generals have uh, said they don't want them. But this administration is basically lawless in what they're doing. They're not even let, letting the states know uh, where they're going. So uh, this is the second time I've been in the buses uh, that were busing the children out and the, uh, so that we couldn't see them uh, is, is, should not happen. And that's why this country's will never be the same. Once they get in the United States, you can't get them out. That's why it's an invasion. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> every city and county is going to have to adjust and state to the, the money that's going to, have to be expended to put them up. Yeah, who can forget the, the pictures and the, the videos of uh, the illegal migrant caravans coming to the border with the Biden T-shirts on it. We talked about it earlier in the week. Congressman, the other crisis we've been talking about all week is a surge in violent crime. Biden blames the crime spike on the summer season and the nation opening up after the pandemic. Take a listen. Crime is historically rises during the summer. And as we emerge from this pandemic, with the country opening back up again, traditional summer, summer spike may be more pronounced than it usually would be. 
Congressman, I love doing the math. It's, I'm all about the math. Um, but the numbers don't lie here. So, yes, crime does go up in the summer months. People are outside more. There's more opportunity and there's more kids are out of school, et cetera. So crime uh, does spike in the summer months. However, if you verse, if you compare this year versus last year, crime's up. The mayor, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, said crime's down in Chicago versus last year. She lied blatantly. She lied blatantly to the American people. Crime is up versus last year and way up versus two years ago. Your thoughts? Yeah. And look at the fact that the Democrats are still calling for defunding the police. They don't want law and order. We're a nation of laws. Why have 128 officers been shot uh, this year, 27 by ambush. Why are every city in this country, police uh, are leaving in droves. They're either retiring early or just finding another another vocation to go into. So that's, uh, that's the disconnect with this administration. And they don't care. Just like with, with the border crisis, they don't even go, not even taking the time to go down there, much less talk to the people that are affected. Just like the Keystone Pipeline, I don't think they talk to those workers. It's just a, it's a disconnect, and they've always been in government. They've never held a job, and, and they don't care. And it's so unfortunate. The taxpayers deserve so much better than this. So, sir, we only have a, a few seconds left, but I, I heard from the administration this week that it was you, Republicans, who are the ones who are calling to defund the police? What say you to the well, administration? Well, it's a blame game. It's just words. They know better. They will do anything or say anything to stay in power. It's not going to work. But uh, I just hope we can hold on until the midterms and get some sanity back. Uh, oh, because yeah. it's not happening. Yeah, now. you're going to you're going to win. I mean, uh, h historically, the 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 party out of power, out of the White House, gets around 22 seats. You only need to get five seats picked up at 20, in 2022. It looks pretty darn good for a Republican House in 22 going forward. South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman, thank you very much. My pleasure. All right, coming up, senior White House officials are rushing in to save Vice President Harris from reports of her being linked to a toxic work environment. But is it too little too late? That's next. Senior White House officials are racing to defend Vice President Harris amid reports of Harris being linked to a toxic work environment. Get that. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain told Axios, quote, in a statement, the president's trust and confidence in her is obvious when you see them in the Oval Office together. Then Biden's senior advisor, Cedric Richmond, always been a little fuzzy with the truth, also chiming in saying, quote, it's a whisper campaign designed to sabotage her. Joining us now, Reagan biographer and presidential historian Craig Shirley. Craig, <laughs> welcome, first of all, Hi, with all of those accusations I against Vice President Harris. You know, who are we supposed I mean, I know who we believe and who we don't believe, but what do you think is really going on behind the scenes? We have so many reports now of Harris's staff leaking. How important is that? Staff leaking that it's, it's a a SH show behind the scenes in the vice president's office. You know, we both know after years of uh, observing politics and being involved in politics that when you read something that's a rumor innuendo in Washington, it turned, often turns out to be true. Uh, I suspect she is a very uh, 
uh, unfair woman to work for, not tough, because tough would be respectful. Uh, I, I, she, her mood shifts a lot, as you notice in her interviews. She giggles like a little girl. Uh, I, I think she probably has very low morale problems with her staff, and it leads to uh, naturally leads to infighting. Look, they can't even get her organized to go to the border. She's supposed to be in charge of the border, and she's only she only went there months after she was named the border czar, which is some, some you know it's pretty nonsensical actually. You know, um, President Biden on January 20th, when he was sworn in, said that his White House, the White House, will have unity, and if there's any sort of animosity or anything negative happening with any staffers in, in the White House, that includes the vice president's office, it's in the White House, uh, that they would be let go. What happens when yes. the vice president herself is the one causing the discord in the White House? Well, well, I, I, I hope that he takes her to the woodshed uh, and, and straightens her out, as presidents have had to do that in the past when vice president straight from the, from the uh, from the message from the dogma uh, you know this never happened i was part of the reagan administration this never happened when george bush was vice president around reagan the staff was loyal to bush and bush was loyal to reagan and there was never any deviation from that from that course from 1981 right up to 1989 there was only uh, a little bit of leaking at the end but otherwise it was a pretty smooth operation i must say is that it was pretty harmonious Everybody knew why they were there. Everybody respected and, and admired both Reagan and uh, and Bush. Uh, and it was not it wasn't a, a comedy of errors the way this uh, administration seems to be today. Which one? Uh, tell us, you're the historian here. Which one? Which White House had the president having to take the vice president's side and say, "Hey, get, get your act together"? Oh, Eisenhower had to do that with uh, Nixon. Uh, FDR had to do that with John Nance Garner. Uh, Woodrow Wilson didn't even talk to his, pres his vice president, Thomas Marshall, for a year and a half. Uh, they were very estranged, uh, according to reports. So they've been, and of course, uh, Lincoln and Andrew Johnson were, uh, were estranged as well. Not that they were together all that long before his, his unfortunate assassination, but uh, he, he never met with Lincoln while he was vice president. So uh, there have been many times where uh, vice presidents had to be taken to the woodshed uh, by the president and straightened out, uh, you know, Andrew Jackson and his vice president, uh, you know, he he resigned the, the vice presidency to go back to South Carolina yep. to uh, debate nullification of uh, Southern tariffs. So, so it's right, right. numerous. Hey, Craig, Craig, I want to get I want to get this next topic because I only have a couple of minutes. So we can shift gears to the president Biden. He continues to tout sure. some economic growth during his speech. But what is he actually saying? Yeah. Take a listen to this. The last time the economy grew at this rate was in 1984, and Ronald Reagan was telling us it's morning in America. Well, it's getting close to afternoon here. The sun is coming out. Okay, Craig, I'm really trying to figure out what the heck he's talking about. I remember morning in America speech. I, yeah, what is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just another senior moment. He's acting like the men's room attend in a hotel instead of the president of the United States. He doesn't make any sense. He just babbles. Uh, doesn't. He doesn't put yeah. Look, it doesn't make any sense. Morning no, in America, Reagan. Till it was it was a, it, it, Carter was depressed and it was he he would come to the to, to his speeches and it'd be awful and oh, depressing. Right. Reagan says, "Morning in America, time to wake up and things were better." Yes. What the heck is he talking right. about, Biden? No, things were no. great under Trump. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. He's going to be used as a case study in future history classes, political science classes, 
of a model of a failed president, much the way Jimmy Carter has become a model in uh, political science classes of a failed president. You know, when when the term the presidency was too big for one man came into vogue was during the uh, during the Carter presidency. And I think we can say that again. The presidency is too big for, for Joe Biden. Of course, that that went out of vogue after Reagan was elected. Nobody stopped being used. But obviously, yeah. this guy yeah. is mystified by his job. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he and he's scaring the heck out of all of us. The, the most ridiculous, Craig, the most ridiculous part of that of that that comment by Biden is that a lot of the malaise under Carter was because of the, of the skyrocketing inflation. And exactly. this is exactly exactly what Biden is doing in this and and, and the interest rates. But, but you need to raise interest rates to, to t tamp down the inflation. And Biden's yes. going to have to do that. He is setting himself up to be Carter 2.0. Yes. And then he went ahead. It just pointed it, pointed right at, right at the, high, the target high himself. Prices, high gas prices, low low morale in the United States, low respect for the president of the United States. His numbers are underwater. Last poll I saw, he was under 50 yeah. percent, and he's only months into his presidency. Where is he going to be in two years? He's going to be more senile. Yeah, he's going to yeah, be more babbling, and we're all going to be shaking our heads saying, what, what ride are we on here? Yeah. Craig Shirley, re really appreciate your time. Reagan biographer, by the way, one of the best presidents ever ever to step into this country. Thank you so much, Craig. You bet, Eric. Have a good 4th of July. And you too, my friend. Coming up, Grant Stitchfield will be joining us. You won't want to miss this. Stay with us. If you've had it with the old news. And the same spent. Well, then Spicer & Company is your place. For the inside story. And for the facts that you need to know. Grant Stinchfield is up next on Newsmax, but he's here to preview his show. What's up, brother? What do you got on tonight? What are we talking about? Uh, Eric, it's going to be great. I appreciate you having me on. So I'm tired, I'm sure you're like me, of literally Republicans losing to Democrats in the PR game. One reason we lose, Eric, is because Democrats are willing to lie about things. Have you noticed they are now what I call flipping the script? They become brilliant at flipping the script, claiming they Republicans are the ones who were going to defund the police. Remember Russia, Russia, Russia. Meanwhile, it was Hillary Clinton who was colluding with Russia all along. So we're going to dig into this ability uh, to, for them to flip the script, Eric, and then, you know, how they get away with it. The media plays a yeah. role in all of this. Yeah, yeah, and Grant, let's do that. In, in, the media, you touched on, and, and we talked about it earlier in the week. It's the media, so... Of course, politicians lie. They lie on both sides. It's just the nature of the game. They, they're, they're born and paid to be liars and hypocrites. But the media is so far left that when they get 90 percent of, of everything that's on television in their corner, they can lie and get backed up by it. But it really shocked me. It really shocked me when, last Sunday when Chris Wallace of Fox News basically bailed out every lying politician when this happened. Well, so that's what they do, right? So they've got a willing media partner in, in all of this. And when you talk about the lies, some they think they can get away with, right? Like Newsmax profiled Lori Lightfoot, who's saying, oh, crime is not up in Chicago. And unless you go look up the crime stats, you're probably going to get away with that lie. But to actually say that Republicans are the ones that want to defund the police when, when it's Democrats every day, day in and day out, they say it with such a, such a straight face and their ability to do this and the media let them get away with it. Um, 
you know, I look at it, it's the audacity of what's going on. And I've, I've asked the question, Eric, maybe you can help me with this. Is the media working for the Democrat Party or is the Democrat Party working for the media now? See, I think that's what it is. I think well, the media now calls well, the well, shots. But, 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 but Grant, here's the, here's the issue, brother. Um, the media is the only protected industry in the Constitution. They don't say we there, there, there shall be transportation or there shall be, right. um, you, you know, baseball. They do say in the Constitution, founding fathers said we will have, in the First Amendment, we will have a free media because the media is supposed to be the watchdog. But when the watchdog is in bed with one of the parties, that's when the whole thing breaks down. Right. And, you know, I've talked about this many times, Eric. It is so imperative that viewers, our viewers, use critical thinking skills because the media is now willing to lie. And I'm not one to say, hey, we need to go censor the media. You know, there was a, a gentleman in Indiana, a lawmaker there. He came up with a bill. He wanted to have media license. They had to take a test. They were going to get fingerprinted. And the media went crazy. And then he held a news conference and says, oh, I'm just kidding. That's what you do with gun owners, right? It's not an equal right. And then the media realized they'd been had. I'm not willing to go and do that. But people need to open their eyes to what's going on. Certainly President yeah. Trump opened our eyes to it. But sometimes they're a little more devious. It's not always easy to see. Uh, you know, before we go, I'm sitting in for Greg Kelly. I sat in for you once. Yeah. I get all these calls. We get all these calls like, where'd they go? Where they? Bowling, you're not replacing them. Uh, no, no, I'm not replacing anyone. I have no eyes on that prize. We're going to do something different later in the month, and we'll explain that later. Just sitting in for you guys so you guys get a little bit of a break. You guys work really hard. Grant, thanks for uh, thanks for sitting in and spending some time with well, Kelly's audience. Eric, Appreciate it. it's always great. You fill in on my show. I, I love it. You're, you've become such a, a great friend to Newsmax and, and this program. Just you keep it up, too, brother. Absolutely. All right, man. We'll see, we'll see you in a little bit. The audience will see you, too. Thanks, Grant. All right, Trump holding a rally in Sarasota, Florida tomorrow. We've got the latest. We will be there, too. Newsmax. Former President Donald Trump will be holding a rally in Sarasota, Florida tomorrow. And coverage will start at 6 p.m. here on Newsmax. Joining me now, host of Dick Morris Democracy, Dick Morris. Dick, very interesting. Last week was a big number for Newsmax. This week, another big number we're expecting. What do you expect for the weekend? Well, first of all, I expect Newsmax to be the only one to really cover it. Uh, Fox News, for some reason, doesn't cover these rallies. Uh, it's the one chance President Trump has to talk to us, and he blacks, they black him out. Um, I think the main thing that Trump needs to do is to say, look, we just won an overwhelming victory in the Supreme Court. We know that the election of 22 and 24 are critical, and we know that the same shenanigans that happened in 2020 could happen again. So when the state of Arizona passed a law saying you can't do ballot harvesting, which means some Democrat shows up at your door and knocks on it and says, would you like to vote right now? I'm the head of your co-op board or I'm the head of your, your, your neighborhood association. Here's the ballot. Fill it in in my presence and then I'll take it and cast it. And if you voted for Trump, it may never end up at the Board of Elections. They held that it was constitutional to oppose that, to outlaw it. So all of the contentions of the Democrats around the country that the actions in Georgia and Arizona and other states to correct and prevent the shenanigans of the 2020 election from happening again are now legal and will withstand court challenges. 
this is a monumental development for the election of 22. Yeah, and uh, important to note, Arizona is one of those states that became kind of purple. It was red and, and then bluish, and now it's kind of purple. Those 11 electoral votes are very extremely important. Let's get back to why Fox. Why I think Fox isn't taking these these rallies. I, have they have they decided to turn their back on on the Trump wing of the Republican Party, the core, the the base of what got them back to number one after they they fell behind CNN and MSNBC and they got back on the on the heels on the backs of Trump supporters and now they're turning their back on them and us well you and I worked for Fox and uh, I did for 18 years I don't know how long you were incarcerated <laughs> but I was the, I was uh, there for what? I was there for 11 and a half dick I was there for 11 and a half okay, years and I good. broke out I got over the wall <laughs> before you did okay <laughs> <laughs> you got parole <laughs> but uh, look, the, uh, there, are, there are two parts of Fox, as you know, the news organizations, the daytime programming and the network, and then the individual commentators, two of whom happen, three of whom happen to be good conservatives, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram. Everybody else in the network is now realizing the network is turning to Democrats. And they're determined to curry favor with their bosses. They're determined not to get called out. Uh, Murdoch's, the senior Murdoch, Rupert, said that is turning 90. Uh, his heirs say that when he dies, uh, they're going to turn, become a conventional news outlet, just like CBS or ABC. Yeah. No more conservative yeah. bent. And the employees read the handwriting on the wall, and they slant every story uh, the way the left wants well, them to. Well, let me. Let, I hate to interrupt. I know the audience hates that, but I want to get this in because this no better no better example of what you just said is is when Chris Wallace last week basically served up. Uh, a, a change in narrative to the Democrats by saying, we all know the Democrats were the party of defund the police and Trump supporters and Republicans were law and order party. But Chris Wallace and, and the Democrats have been trying to switch, flip the script, switch the script and give it to the Republicans. Chris Wallace gave them an opening on Fox News Sunday. Blew me away when I saw this. Roll it, please. Congressman Banks, you voted against that package, against that $350 billion, just like every other Republican in the House and Senate. So can't you make the argument that it's you and the Republicans who are defunding the police? Dick, I got 30 seconds. Final thought. Look, there's an omnibus package that includes a million items, many of which the Republicans legitimately oppose. You can't vote for one and not for the other. You vote yes or you vote no. And every responsible person said voting yes would cause more inflation, would add to the debt. It was a bunch of pork barrel nonsense that you didn't want. Buried in there was money for the police. You vote for that, you're voting you vote against that, you're voting against money for the police. Somebody like Wallace, who's never been in politics and doesn't understand how it really works and just takes his marching orders uh, from the uh, talking points, uh, isn't going to make that distinction. But we have to. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it right there. Dick Morris, host of Dick Morris Democracy. Thank you so much. See you again soon. Coming up, Greg has been on vacation this week. So where in the world is Greg Kelly? Stay with us to find out. Where in the world is Greg Kelly with a question mark? Yesterday, I told you Greg was on a well-deserved vacation this week, but we wanted to hear from you where we thought you thought he was. And I received 
enormous amount of great guesses, 500 guesses, in fact, plus. I got through about 300 of them, but before you show where he re we show where he really is, let's hear what you had to say. Sharon from Florida said this. I think Greg is at home relaxing with his family. Mm -hmm. Maybe. This is what Douglas from California thought. My guess is that he is in vaca on vacation in South Dakota. South <laughs> Dakota. Christy Nome. Gene had a pretty good guess as well. Listen to this. I think Greg might be going on vacation in Hawaii. That's what I was calling about. So the odd thing is, as I went through the 250 or 300 uh, messages, and I listened to as many as I possibly could from last night to today, 500 again, so many people said Florida, Mar-a-Lago, Sarasota, because as you know, we have coverage in Sarasota of the upcoming uh, rally tomorrow. Um, so many, Hawaii got a handful too as well, that, like that one. But uh, lots of great places that you guys thought he was, but this one thought Greg was going to travel pretty far. Take a listen. Greg Kelly is in Australia visiting his wife's family. Mm, pretty good. I think it's Australia, Israel, and maybe Canada. My personal favorite is this one, though. Take a listen. I'm guessing that he's with Christine Nome. All right. Well, listen. I loved hearing from all of you. However, no one guessed correctly. So let's see where in the world is Greg Kelly. Take a listen. Is enjoying some R&R in the sun with his family, and he'll be back here next week. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great 4th of July, and don't forget, don't forget, Saturday, tune into Newsmax for the Trump rally from Sarasota, Florida. We're taking it. The other guys... Not so much. Stand by for Stinchfield, everybody.